0: You're
1: not going to have a big sex drive after a, uh... After a week, two days. Days. No, two, it takes
0: days. a couple days. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. that, was a re- that was my sign of recovery. Like. <laughs>
1: okay. horny? <laughs> hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast. The weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in, because we're about to begin. I Yo, welcome to episode 77 of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a Semi-Pro Cyclist rides for love and not money. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who's talking about sex drive. Hey there, Semi-Pros. My name is Damien Roos. I'm the founder of Semi-Pro Cycling, home of the Semi-Pro Cyclist. And yes, a review to get us underway today. Great podcast, really useful, five stars. N. Mellor, 378 from the UK. Love this podcast, covers top Topics of interest to me and I guess lots of other racing sportive riders. Keep them coming. Wow, thank you very much, Enmela, for taking the time out to write that review and a reminder to you that if you do like the show, please, please take some time out to write a review at the iTunes Store because five stars makes me Thank you very much. Now, let's move on to the articles this week. And the first one is an interview. And I'm going to butcher his name up here because I really don't know how to say it. He's a Spanish physiologist, Inigo Muyaca. Oh, I know I absolutely butchered that. So I'm really sorry if you're hearing me. But he does a great interview with Louise Burke. And Louise Burke is the head of the Australian Sports Nutrition Program. So she is the boss when it comes to Australian official government nutrition. And she has an interesting take on fad diets, or at least the latest wave of diets, which I kind of covered in my nutrition month. But it's really interesting to see the opinion of someone that is an official body that takes care of a lot of different sports and elite athletes. And it really seems like she's been here before. It's a great interview by two pros in the sports world. There is a lot of food for thought in this interview. And yes, that is a very bad pun. But the second cool thing I found this week was a YouTube clip from the bike of Robbie McEwen at last year's Japan Cup Crit. It's the whole 44 minutes of this race. So you can see what he does for the entire race. And it is really interesting that there is a super long straight right at the end. And I don't want to give it away for you. But he is not in the best position And he's pretty clever in the way that he uses other riders, especially teammates, to get him where he wants to go. But I don't think he does it in the most friendly manner because you can hear him yelling behind all of the road noise. But if you're interested in checking out how Robbie McEwen races an entire crit, I highly recommend you checking out this video. Now, the nuts and bolts this week, how to build confidence. So it's the morning of the race, maybe four hours before the start, and the atmosphere is restless, and you're a little agitated, wanting to get it all over and done with. A couple of deep breaths to try and get it all under control. You count backwards from ten to try and get it under control. It's gone for a second, but it's still there, it's still eating away at you. The word focus is mumbled under a determined, but a hollow tone. And it's enough to remind you that under the surface that there is some belief, belief in what's possible, belief in the ability to win. It's not unwavering, but it's been such a long road leading up to this point. You just keep it together. You'll do all right. Don't make it all for nothing. All the hard work, it's done now. The signs have been there. The practice races all went well. No big results yet, but always creeping forward. Each result building on the next. Honing each race preparation until it's routine. But amongst all these thoughts and feelings, there's a knock on the hotel room's door and a coach hands the athlete a letter, a letter of self-belief to confirm the facts and to build the right emotion at the exact right time that it's needed, to build confidence from the hard work, ability, determination and focus, to take quietly confident and turn it into unwavering confidence. Let's do this. This was me, the morning of a big race that I went on to win, and I've only felt this, I have to say, one or two times throughout my entire cycling career, but the most important thing is that both these days were big races, and I won them both. My confidence comes with consistently working hard towards my goal, but even at its best, I still have to fight off the doubt the poisonous thoughts and emotions that creep in when you least expect it. And I have to say that every win that I've ever had has been correlated with high confidence. And on those high confidence days, it enabled me to stay positive, motivated, intense, focused, and emotionally in control when I needed it most. Now, your turn. I want you to take a moment now to think about the last race or ride that you reached your goal in. It doesn't have to be winning, just significant enough that it was planned before you achieved it. What was your confidence on that day, before, during, and after the actual event? I've got some made-up levels here to help you anchor that feeling. So these are the semi-pro levels of confidence. Firstly, there's cocky, and it's really more associated with overconfidence. And the quote that goes along with this is that, I'm going to crush everybody. The second one, a little notch down, unwavering absolute firmness and confidence in your ability the quote for this is let's do this quietly if you're quietly confident you feel that you've done the work to get there but something could knock you off if it doesn't go right and the quote for this is I'll go all right somewhat confident it's just another notch down and the quote is I'll survive and then moving down again if you're a little confident you know that you have some confidence based on probably doing the event before or whatever it is, but you know you can get through it. The quote is that this is going to hurt. And the last one, and no confidence is all, is not at all. And the quote here is, what am I doing here? So I don't know if you felt any of those or all of those at any time during your cycling career, but if you go back and picture when you performed at your peak, what level of confidence would you align it with? Because if you look back, that level of performance and if your peak confidence was unwavering, because unwavering is about the highest you want to go, because cocky can also get you into trouble as well. If it is that, then all you have to do is retrace your steps, look for patterns and repeat the process. And yes, I do not say this lightly because I know it's a bitch and an art form to get to this point, but it's also a skill and that's why I'm bringing it up today. If you can't definitely say with confidence it was unwavering or you haven't achieved a goal you've set yourself, then it makes it a little harder to retrace, but the good news is here that you have room to improve, lots of room to improve. So if you're working towards a goal right now, How about where are you right now? Would you say that your confidence and achieving your goals is at unwavering, or is it somewhere below that? And if there's a difference between where you performed at your best and where you are now, this is exactly what we're here for today, to shift gears. So confidence itself can come from many places and you can be bored with it, which the lucky few are. You can work on it. It can be a skill and you can have a support network that can help you get it as well. That support network has to be greater than your mum. You really have to believe what they're saying when someone gives you a compliment. But speaking of support networks, it's tough to be really successful on your own. So having a constant force to back you up when your confidence needs bolstering can really turn things around, where the other side of confidence is actively working on it. But before I get into the building blocks of confidence, I want to plainly state that I believe confidence is the gateway to peak performance. And what do I mean by that? Performance relies on your confidence. So if your confidence isn't where it needs to be for you to perform, your performance will suffer, especially during a race. Staying confident even when you're riding well is another skill because confidence is a state of mind that comes from knowing you have the resources and abilities to be successful. Even if you get into trouble during a ride, you can call on those resources to get you through. Another part of confidence is the belief that if you don't have the resources you need to succeed, that you can develop them along with the The abilities needed to reach your goals. And confidence overrides doubt that can creep in and resilient belief in your ability to ride at your best. I think of it plainly as an unwavering belief in your ability to do what you want when you want it. Closely related to confidence is the idea that psychologist Albert Bandura of Stanford University defined as self efficacy which he stated as your belief that you can achieve your goals and self-efficacy was taken a step further by Weinberg and Gould and expanded into nine sources of self-confidence specific to sport. The first one is mastery, developing and improving skills in training and competition. The second one, demonstrating ability, having success in competition. Number three, getting the breaks, seeing things going your way. Number four, seeing others perform successfully. Number five, physical and mental preparation. Number six, social support, engagement from friends and family. Number seven, belief, trust in your coach, coaches. Number eight, body image, Feelings about body, strength, appearance, weight. And number nine, environmental comfort. Feeling comfortable when you're performing. Now, that is a hell of a lot to be thinking about when you're out on the bike or preparing overtime. And you're probably a little overwhelmed by listening to that list. I know writing it down and even just reading it out just then, it seems like it's crazy and you can't implement any of that but i have to tell you that if you broke it down a little further you would probably see in your own training and your own life that you are doing most of these things implicitly in everything you do maybe you're not doing them as effectively as you could and that's kind of what i'm here to talk about but the part i want to deal with on this episode is the confidence that lies in your head and as soon as I wrote that down, I thought that's a great pun because it's true that it's the lies in your head. So the obvious question here is what's going on in your head? Understanding how your brain works and knowing what you can do and can't do with it are the most important factors here to getting behind how your brain controls some part of your confidence. So let's start by talking about what is actually happening in your head because the mind is always busy or full or something's happening all the time. It's racing from topic to topic or you're going from emotion to emotion. All while standing or sitting still or on the bike no one would know the difference if you weren't thinking a thing so what is actually going on here the idea here is that you are not alone that there are two of you more specifically two parts of the brain well there's actually more but i'm going to keep it simple for right now the first and the original part the pre-modern day evolution is what Seth Godin calls the lizard brain, Stephen Pressfield describes as the resistance, and Dr. Steve Peters has personified as the chimp. It's in control of the flight, flight, or freeze response. It's in control of food and knowing whether it's edible or is it ripe or is it poisonous. It's in control of reproduction and overall survival, so breathing, heart rate, body growth, and maintenance. It's really fundamental and it's been with us a long, long time. The development over the years has brought us to a point, though, where we have another part of the brain and it's at the front, the frontal lobe, and you can also call it the frontal cortex or the thinking brain. And this is the logical and rational part of the brain that has made us what we are today. And the trouble is that the chimps' emotional and catastrophic thinking gets mixed in with our logical and rational thoughts and just makes a really big mess. So to add another layer here, I'm gonna add another part of the brain that comes into the mix. Well, I'm not, but Dr. Steven Peters is.
2: Okay, so what we've got are three thinking brains in your head. You've got you, facts, truth and logic, you've got the chimp, feelings, impressions, emotions, and a computer which is a machine saying, use me as you wish and the chimp usually
1: uses it first. So now that we've got a basic model to work with, how do we control each part of the brain to optimize performance? Because for me, it comes down to managing the chimp, because it's the only long-term strategy I see working. You could ignore the chimp, and maybe that would work in the short term, but in the long term, absolutely no way. You could try and overpower the chimp, and it might be possible, but it's rare to overpower emotion with logic. When was the last time you talked yourself out of a fight with an angry person maybe never at all so part of managing it is working on your belief system and self-talk so let's start with beliefs beliefs that we have about our cycling ability and potential can be detrimental to our performance most of the time this is the chimp talking to find out what your limiting beliefs are write down a list of beliefs related to your cycling either either start the sentence with i can i'm good at I can't, I'm not good at, I find it impossible to. And once you have a list down, with that list of beliefs, pick out the disempowering beliefs. Take each one and examine where it came from. Did the remarks come from a coach, a friend, a parent, a general belief? And just because people believe something to be true doesn't make it a fact. So for each of these beliefs, ask yourself... Where did this belief come from? What way does it affect my performance? If I don't change it, how will it affect me in the future? What benefits will I get from changing it? How can I change it? Writing down your beliefs like this might give you a bit of a shock, but stay on task, stay focused, and use this time to address them properly rather than running for the hills and letting that chimp take over even in this exercise. I'd pick the biggest one and start there. Don't get overwhelmed, it's a process, not a prize. So take your time with it and pick out one that is really affecting what you think about your performance and maybe stopping you from getting a better performance. Part of your solution here is going to be self-talk. And something interesting that was pointed out to me was that if you said all the negative self-talk out loud as you raced directly to your other competitors, imagine how pissed they would get. So definitely take it easy on yourself. I've covered affirmations and self-talk in the past, but I'll give you a new tip. The human mind cannot process negative instruction when you're talking to yourself or you have an affirmation that you want to repeat to yourself and you're looking for one to make up, think of it in positive terms. So for example, if you're riding down a hill, you want to remind yourself to look where you want to go rather than don't go off the road, don't go off the road. Or if you're in a breakaway, instead of reminding yourself not to look back, think Look forward, look forward, go forward. Now, while I believe that working on beliefs individually is a good way of kind of breaking down barriers that may be stopping you, if you want to kind of get to the heart of what's going on without using something so specific and explicit, writing it all down and breaking it down and working out all the parts of it, Dr. Stephen Peters has a heuristic that he's put together that may be able to bypass digging this deep And it's in the form of a simple question to help you decide which brain you want to control or what you want to listen to, and you do it by simply asking this question. Do I want?
2: You have a choice, human or chimp. How do you know who's in charge? It's dead easy. All you've got to say is, do I want? Do I want these feelings? No, it's the chimp. Do I want these thoughts? No, it's the chimp. And you'll probably find 90% of your day, the chimp's in charge. Okay, So it's time to change it round. First, you've got to recognise who's thinking, which part of your brain has got the blood supply and using the oxygen up, because that's got the power. Can we actually shift it by boxing the chimp with truth and facts, and then finally choosing the thoughts you want? The answer is yes, you can, but it is a skill. Why is it so difficult? The chimp brain is five times stronger than you, so you're going to have to be pretty clever, Okay, He or she wins. They know what to do with you. You have to learn about your chimp and be ready
1: for it. And right now, if you ask yourself, do I want to ride today? And the frontal cortex answer is yes. Try this. Every time you train, create a little victory so that when you're done for the day, you can build on these and link them together to form a consistent chain of success. This will give you a micro boost, but also keep your confidence going in the right direction. And hopefully you can pick something out of today's nuts and bolts that will help you boost your confidence and keep it consistent or at least be able to access it when you need it. Maybe you are the type of person that works their way up from none at all to unwavering or maybe you want to stay at unwavering or you get your best performances at quietly confident. Whatever it is, recognize what confidence you work best at. If you don't have one, try aiming for unwavering but work through either the belief system that you're maybe encountering or self-talk to get around that or even trying the question, do I want? Every single time you're challenged with something that per- perhaps you think is being dominated by the chimp. Okay, the tech hacks and product section and this week it's a product which hat tipped to Dustin here. He got me onto finish line gear floss. And I've got to say, it is awesome. And I'll tell you why it's awesome. Because baby wipes can only do so much. I don't know if you've ever been trying to dig around into your cassette and trying to fold over your baby wipes three or four times and get in there and shimmy it out and clean it out. But it's just a pain in the ass. But if you have something thick like a rope, a microfiber rope that captures the dirt and grease and particles, and you can get in to all those little nooks and crannies because... We all know cleaning a bike ends up taking so long when you do it because you have to spend all that time getting into those areas that you just normally can't reach. So this is trying to avoid that before you even have to get to that point and it means that you don't have to wash your bike as much. So at the end of a ride, get the baby wipes out, get the finish line gear floss out and you will have a much cleaner bike for a lot lot longer. I'll put the link in the show notes so you can check out these puppies. I definitely think it's going to save you a lot of time. Now let's get to that quote from the top of the show. It's Greg Lamond and his wife talking about their sex life. And
0: that year um, we became friendly with another Dutch couple and his young American wife. And long story short, one time the next year after we had already left, PDM, they came down for dinner one night, and, you, and Annalisa says to me in the kitchen, oh, we figured out what's wrong with Johannes, he's low on testosterone. And Greg and I are like, everyone is low on testosterone on a Monday after, you know, you do a stage race. That is completely normal to be low on testosterone. You know, you're not going to have a big sex drive after a, uh, after a big stage race. No. Two, three, it yes. takes a <laughs> couple of days. That was, re- that was my sign of recovery.
1: Well, they weren't explicitly talking about it because it was related to somebody getting on the program because their testosterone was low because they were told it's not normal. This comes from a symposium that was done on doping, and I don't really talk about doping a lot on this podcast because. Hey, it's there, it's a fact of cycling, but we're not going to do it. So there's no point talking about it or harping on about it when it's just not going to be productive for us, because we want to ride bikes faster the natural way. But if you are interested in the debate, this is quite interesting. It's quite long. It's a couple of hours. There is a lot of bullshit floating around. But Greg LeMond is a pretty smart dude. And if you're not from Greg LeMond's generation, like I'm not, then sitting down and listening to what he has to say in this area and many other areas related to cycling, it's quite interesting. And I've got to give the guy props. I think he really is a smart dude that has been shut down by the whole Lance debacle so now maybe it's his time to shine and come out and we can learn a thing or two from this guy that technically is the only american to ever win a tour de france but he won it three times as well so i've got the link for that in the show notes so that you can check out at any time you want but for me that is it this week so till next week get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box whichever one you're into